0: Good morning, church. Genesis 15.1 says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. We've been in a series called Our Father Abram, and we've been looking at the life of Abraham. We've been off for a few weeks because of Father Day and a special service, but we are back at it today. And so the very first question that I want you to ask yourself are, What are these things? Can you say that? Okay, so there was some muttering among the people. <laughs> Very good. After these things, what are those things? If you remember back to Genesis chapter 14, Abram had just set out on a military conquest to rescue his nephew Lot. And so he'd been in the thick of it and battling and winning wars. And he went and literally saved his nephew in a military effort and brought him back home safe. And so here in America, though, As the TV and our shows describe it, it makes it look like we can go out, the Avengers will go out and kill a hundred aliens, and then literally afterwards just hang out and eat shawarma. Okay? Like it's nothing. But in real life, that kind of violence, that kind of military toll, that kind of work takes, uh, takes a price from you. And I believe that Genesis chapter 15, what we're studying today, is Abram going out. He's been following God. He just set out on this very physical and taxing emotional spiritual quest. And he's taking a moment to evaluate his life. He's saying, God, what's going on right now? And so I just want to read this scripture with you. Genesis 15, one through three. I'm reading in the new living translation right now. It says sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram. I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so so one of my servants will be my heir. This is Abram's honest moment before the Lord of saying, what does it matter? Church, we've talked about the inheritance of faith just a bit ago. About the duty as parents we have to model and to represent the church and Christ to our kids. And here's Abram saying, Lord, you've promised me four times now, descendants and wealth and protection, and to be a blessing to all these generations, but what does it matter? Abram just had a real life and death experience out under the stars, on the road, in battle, and he's sitting there thinking, what does this matter? What does my wealth matter? What does my relationship matter? Who do I have to pass this on to? And so I believe that Abram's coming to God in a moment of honesty. We might look at that and say, Abram, why are you being so whiny? We might look at that, and if you grew up in the church, there's this thing that says, Only access your happy emotions. Only touch the things that are good. Haven't you read your Bible? James 1, 2 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Life gets hard, get happier. Bury those things. Tears are not from the Lord. If you know me, you know that I'm either far from the Lord or I'm just a big crybaby, okay? I don't know. 1 Peter 4.13 even says, be glad of these trials. It makes you partners with Christ in suffering. There's much in the Bible that talks about denying pain or pushing through. Perseverance would be a better word. But just as much as that, did you know that your God is an emotional God? That He feels joy, He feels anger. There's times in the Bible where he grieves and he is saddened. Romans talks about don't grieve the Holy Spirit by your actions. It's okay to be honest with God about where you're at. The whole book of Psalms is basically the psalmists are p- people just coming before God and being honest with their emotions. It's been said before, emotions are good servants, but they're bad masters. The line to cross is, Who's running the show? Can you still feel sad? Can you feel, st- feel despondent but still know that God is in control? Can you still assert that he loves you, even if it feels like everything's against you? Can you still assert truth in your life, even if you're feeling the opposite? Abram shows us that it's okay to be honest with God. I can't tell you how much of a relief this was when I understood that I could be honest with my faith. Has anybody ever had a time where you're really frustrated? No. Anybody? Lord, help us. Well, it's coming, guys. If you haven't felt it yet, then we have a boatload. No, it's okay. When I was released and allowed and understood that I could be honest with God, it made my relationship with God more real you know I feel like my wife and I love each other more and more every day you know why because we've given each other opportunities to stop loving each other and we've chosen to stick it out and keep loving each other when I was dating I just showed her all the best parts of me okay like it was all charm and all this stuff but then it's when we getting, when we were married, and the day-to-day, the thick of it, is where the truest part of me comes out. Not the fake part of me, it's just the realest part of me. I'm real, the highs and lows, she's seen it all. And so when you're able to do that with God, your relationship with God deepens and becomes more real, becomes more intimate, and it matures itself. And so Abram's proven that he trusts God. He's followed him. He's left his family and known surroundings. The inheritance of wealth from his family. The city's protections. He's took up a life of wandering in the desert before God. Yet things are happening that that things are not happening that he thought he would. By this time I thought I'd have a child. God you've not showed up how I thought you were going to. God life's not going how I thought it was and maybe you've said this prayer god where are you god why didn't you lord do you hear me and it's interesting to look at how god responds to abram does he rebuke him does he silence abram does he yell at him like an angry father at their kids who get in the way he doubles down on the promise that he's spoken over abraham And Abraham's emotional doubts come to surface, God clarifies to him. Verse 4, it says, The Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, Look up into the sky. Count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. We're going to get right back to this, but I want to take you guys just a little bit left here, before we come back to this. I want you to imagine that me, your senior pastor, got pulled over on the way to church. Do you have that, go ahead, just go ahead. I really want you to imagine this. I'm like, I'm on my way to preach you guys God's word and to minister to you and I'm just in the zone and I'm driving and woo, 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 and all of a sudden I get pulled over by legal authority. And so I want you to imagine this conversation pull over, and I roll my window down, get everything ready, and the officer walks up, he says, hello, sir, do you know why I'm pulling you over? No, officer, what's the problem? At this point, I've pinched myself or poked my kids trying to get somebody to cry to get out of this, and he says, you're doing 95 in a 30, sir. I don't see a problem. Sir, that's illegal. Well, I believe that you are incorrect, Oh, you believe that I'm incorrect? This is completely my fault. I'm so sorry. You know what? I'm going to give you a police escort to church. Some of you are like, what in the world are you talking about? Well, let me show you Genesis 15:6. Genesis 15:6 says this. Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Abram changed his spiritual legal status with God. Not because of what he did, not because of what he's going to do, but because he believed God was true. He believed God at his word, even when it didn't feel like it. Even in his honesty of saying, God, I don't see how this is going to, what's the even point of all of this? He believed God and his legal spiritual status, his rightness with God was established. This is a powerful verse, church. So often, our gut instinct is to not believe God, but believe what we can do. Am I a good enough person? Have I done enough? Have I given enough money or enough time or enough good deeds? Or generally, does the scale tip in my favor? Am I good enough? Abram proves that he was a flawed man. We've studied this pretty extensively at this point. He proves that because uh, because of fear, he he lies to protect himself. Because of self-preservation, he puts his wife at risk, fails to guard her and protect her. He tries to fix God's plan in his own time and own way, and he gets distracted. But Abram's right here in this verse, highlight it, mark it, tattoo it on your forehead. It says this, It says, faith at its core is simply believing God is true to his word, and this is the thing that writes you with God. If you're far from God, if you believe that God doesn't see you, if you believe that God doesn't really care about you, if you believe the lies of the worthlessness of your life, if you see yourself in the mirror, and you see all the negative things about yourself, This verse is the verse for you. You must believe what God speaks over you. You must believe how God says he looks at you. You must choose to believe that God is true to his word. Because honestly, a lot of times I would rather choose what I believe over what God says to me. Abram proves to be a flawed man but he proves it's not what he does, but his belief that rights his relationship with God. Faith is not defined by a perfect character or behavior, but simply believing God. Romans four, one through five says, Abram was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way, for the scripture tells us Abram believed God, and God counted him righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they've earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Flawed people can be made right with God. God works with us, grows us, matures us slowly and through relationship, but belief is the beginning of of that relationship. And here's the important thing that, not the important thing, but an important thing, especially today on child dedication. Did you know that your belief will actually guide others home to the Lord? I took my kids bowling about a month or two ago. It's like the second time they've gone, they're young, five, three, one, okay, we don't go a ton. We took them bowling and uh, do you know how much the bumper rails improved our experience. (laughs) Do you know how much uh, sadness there would have been if we didn't have those rails? Can you imagine how many of those balls would have been gutter balls every single time? But the rails stood up and protected and guided those things home to at least get one, two, three, four of the pins down. Did you know that your belief, your faith can be like a rail that guides your children, guides those around you home to the Lord. You have a responsibility to model it and to share it and to expose it to those around you, not to hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it. Hey, let's go. You have a responsibility to display your faith. Not to bring glory to you not as a gaudy, uh, just a show, not as a fakeness, but as a genuine belief that there is one thing in life that matters most, and that is our belief in relationship with God. If you model that to your children and how you live and how you spend your time, if you model that to the neighbors around you, your coworkers that you work with, your family members at the dining room table, you begin to sow seeds and set up rails that may help them guide their belief home to the Lord. Church, this is the last point that we're going to get to today. And we're going to spend most of our time on this very last one. As we've been studying Abram and the life of Abraham and the faith, there's two major themes I've seen that have developed just over the course of studying and spending time with him in these verses. Two things I just want to highlight to you remind you that I believe this story of Abram is about centrally these two things. One, it's a man that models or gives us an example of faith. We see Abram in the life of Abram. We see the the development of Abraham as he grows and matures in his faith before the Lord. Go back and listen to the, the very first Sermon on this series, how Abram got stuck before he even got started, or how, how he gave his wife up. He had so many failures, yet he believed and his faith grew. So one, it's a man that models faith, and two, a God that reveals himself to man. See, God's people were non-existent. They had taken up the ways of the world. They had just figured out every other God to follow. And so God picked Abram to create a nation and a people that would be his people. And he would be their God. And through that nation, it would expand outward to the rest of the world. And so this really was a a relationship where God was working with Abraham, becoming intimate with Abraham, and showing him and revealing him his character and who he was. He was. The life of Abram is a God revealing himself to a man. Maybe today you're here, and maybe you've said this. I've read my Bible, i heard these verses, and I have no idea how you get that out of this. You talk about hearing God, and I have no idea how you hear God. I've never had that kind of experience. I've never had that kind of voice. I've never had that kind of presence. It comes with intimacy, and it comes with time, It comes with consistency. I look at my wife often, and we say this to each other, what in the world were we doing getting married? I barely even knew your name. (laughs) Like, I had no idea who you were and the type of crazy in there. She says that to me. (laughs) But you know, in eight years, I've begun to know my wife more and more and more and better and better and better than I did when we were dating and engaged. Time built our relationship. And so Abram and God are spending time, a lifetime together, and we see God display himself more and more to him. Genesis 15 is the foundational chapter of the Bible. This is, if you've gone to Thanksgiving dinner and you're having like the spicy pretzels and the deviled eggs, like the little appetizers, the olives and stuff, the stuff that's just supposed to hold you over to the main thing. You've been smelling the roast, and you're just, you can feel, it just fills the room. This is the moment that the chef walks in with that Thanksgiving roast, and you're able to dig in. This is the moment that God reveals himself on full display to Abram. Verse 8, Abram replies, he said, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that this will actually pass? The Lord tells him, bring me A three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. One of every type of animal they would use in sacrifices at that time. Verse 10, so Abram presented all these things, and he killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a terrifying darkness came over him. Verse 17, we're going to jump down just a little bit. After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day. Covenant is not a term we use very much outside of the church world, right, Pastor Eric? Like, we don't use this a lot in day-to-day, like, uh, you know, go to Starbucks, and I will make a covenant with you that I'll give you $5.50, and you'll give me a small latte that is way overpriced and tastes like milk. We don't say that, okay? We just know it's a legally binding contract that if I order it, I'll pay for it. But in the Old Testament language, when you are making a legal contract with somebody, the word that we use is covenant. In the Bible, it was customary instead of a handshake, instead of just uh, writing your name on something, you would make a pact in blood. And the verbiage here was actually not to make a covenant, but to cut a covenant. And so the parties would come and bring these animals, and they would cut them in half and put one on one side, one on the other, and then they would walk through the animals and walk through the blood, signifying this, that in death, through death, and in this life, I bind myself to you. My word is bound by this sacrifice. And furthermore, they bound themselves not only to their word, but to a curse. It symbolized that if I walk through this and I do not uphold my end of the bargain, may I bleed, may I die, may I be cut, may I be laid upon the ground like these sacrifices. For every single one of you that's ever left a Facebook marketplace person on red and never responded or showed up, may this be a lesson to you to hold, be a person of your word. Who is this guy? A covenant was the highest level of authority they had to show that they were going to be honorable to their word. And so God tells Abram, go get the sacrificial animals and spread it out. He understood what was happening. And so they set it up, and God reveals himself in these verses to Abraham. He says a couple things to him. The very first thing is that God shows that he is accountable to the highest level of authority that we have, and that is to himself. God promises by his own name, in his own personhood, that I am true to myself, Abram. Everything I've promised you, descendants and wealth and protection and reward and being a blessing to every generation, I promise by my name I will accomplish it. A person that we know, a pastor's wife, is very dear to us, a few weeks ago said it this way, God says and God does. He is true to himself. God not only reveals that, he legally binds himself to us. I don't know about you if you have a very active imagination, but maybe you've had this thought like I had, is why didn't God just give up on earth, like Abony blew it, just like torch the place, and let's go start on Mars. Like, I don't know if you've ever had that thought. Like, why did he stick it out with us? Well, God is showing that he's not going to give up. And he legally binds himself to us and says, I will not leave you, and we will fix this. He legally and willingly binds himself to us. And not only that, he bound himself to the curse if the parties messed it up. If you notice, in the scripture, only one party passes through the sacrifice. A smoking pot and a flame. God himself passes through the covenant sacrifices. And Abraham sits on the side and he watches as the smoke goes by and the flame goes by. Why is that? Because you and me, Adam and Eve, humanity will fail God. We come to him and we fall short on our end of the bargain. We push him away, we scorn him, we mock him, we just don't want anything to do with him. We put faith down, we put other things above him. And God is true to himself. And in this moment, by going through the covenant sacrifice by himself, he's saying that if you don't show up, If you fail to hold up your end of the bargain, I will be cut. I will bleed. I will be beaten. I will take the curse of this covenant. And through Jesus Christ, church, he does that. He accomplishes the payment that was required for a broken covenant, a broken contract, a legal binding document. And he comes and says, in your place I stand. I am here as tribute. I stand and I'll take your place. God is revealing himself to us as one that cares so much about you. He'll hold himself to his own name. He legally will bind himself to you. And in the face, in the situation where you don't show up and you are unfaithful, I am unfaithful, God will still show up for you. That is worthy of you of an applause. That is worthy of getting a little assignment. That is worthy, if you believe that, of praising a mighty God because He showed up for you. God positions Himself to not only be true to Himself and true to His Word, to hold up our end of the bargain as well. It is this chapter of man asserts belief on God and is fixed with his righteousness, fixed legally, his legal standing with God, and God legally binds himself to us that the rest of the Bible is built upon. Up to this point, God, it's been a verbal thing. I will, I will, I will. But here God goes through the legal actions of signing his name, marking him blood, and shaking a hands. I will never leave you or forsake you. Through Jesus, all of the things in Genesis 15 are accomplished. Church, today is a reminder to practice honest faith before you're living in a holy God. He knows how you're feeling. He knows the doubts. He knows the weaknesses in your life. He knows the things that you have questions about and you just can't understand. He knows the ways we're saying, God, it's not going as I thought it would. He knows that. You don't need to hide it. Share that with him. Invite him in to speak to you. Invite him in to speak truth and to remind you and to encourage you and to work with you and to grow your faith and to grow you. Abraham shows us that imperfect people through faith have a relationship with God. And God shows us that he promises in his own name to bear the consequences of our mistake in order for us to have right standing or rightness, or relationship with God. Can we go to worship lighting, please, Church? I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to this call today. Maybe one you've been struggling where Abram's felt that you felt a, a, a lack of ability, a lack of power in God. Will He really, will He really come through for me? Maybe today I've been speaking and church is not something that you regularly do. Or this Christianity faith is something that you did as a kid or as a young person or you did it for a while and then you fell out but you're back here today and maybe you've been feeling something of just hot in your chest. Like a heaviness on you. Something that's been touching you in a way you didn't think you'd get felt today. You have access Not by what you do, but by belief to have a right standing with God right now. It can start right now. And it's very simple.